go live and interview and talk about life, his career, with uh, Southampton legend, England footballer, Matt Letizier. Welcome, Matt. Mm. Thank you very much, Fred. Good to talk to you. This is one of the. This is this is one of those really weird ones because, you know, it's like we know you, right? But you don't know us at all. <laughs> so it's like it's like you're talking to someone that you think you know, and they know nothing about you. It's about it's, it's yeah. yeah it's okay. Kind, of, kind of one of them. Um, I, I was watching your. Um, I was making. Um, I was making that advert on the pre-roll this afternoon Matt and I was watching your um, your goals and I must admit I'm not a, I'm not a great follower of football and I'm going to give away my age here but I thought you know who you reminded me of Peter Lorimer you were, you were, yeah, you are giving away the Yeah, I know. But you kind of, same kind of shooting from, you know, well outside the box and, and on target. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're quite as fast as Peter Lorimer's though, but um, yeah, pretty pretty good. I'll give yeah, you credit. I just find this, in, you know, I, first of all, before we start getting into things, I, I want to thank you for agreeing to this. It was it, it was a complete, you know, shot in the dark requesting you come on. And the fact that you said yes, I really appreciate it. And I also want to apologize once again. We were supposed to do this uh, earlier, but I had emergency surgery, so I ended up in recovery and was unable to do it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry no problem at all, These things happen. So, I mean, where, where do we begin? Where do we begin? I mean, you've had, well, you are, you are having a time of it on Twitter at the moment, and I think we'll get into that a bit, a, a bit later. But I must let, <laughs> you were trending yesterday. <laughs> well, I've really... uh, do you know what? I didn't even know that. That's how, that's how little I take notice of Twitter trends. You, you, you're no, quite, you were trending. You're quite right, mate. You know what? Yeah. Everybody that expresses an opinion on Twitter ends up having a hard time at some point. Mm. Oh, believe me. Because it seems these days that you can't express an opinion without someone taking offence at it. Mm. What's really funny is that, is that these, <laughs> these people that like to jump on you uh, seem that they're having some kind of impact on your life, but um, all, all the all the nonsense yesterday never stopped me from shooting seventy two around my local golf course. You know what I mean? So they, yeah. can, uh, they can they can try all they want; they don't get to me. So what exactly? And I mean, what handicap are you? Uh, two point nine at the moment. Oh, he's got way too much time on his hands. Well, I, I I think you've kind of earned that right to have too much time on your hands uh, at this point. Um, you know, you're retired. You're retired from the sport. Um, you played for Southampton for how many years? Uh, 17 or 16 as a professional and one as an apprentice. And then, obviously, you've also played for England as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, English, well, English football fans. 10 caps, I believe. Eight caps. Eight? Oh, right, okay. I thought, my mistake. <laughs> I was giving you more than you were due. <laughs> so, so let's, as someone who is not um, 
particularly sporty myself, especially because I'm disabled. But let me know how do you how do you get into professional football? So let's where did you start? How did you start? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's um, uh, I think different people get in different ways, but my my story began in um, 1983 stroke 84 I think it was when I was uh, I think it was 84 I was playing in a in a football match over here in Southampton so I, I grew up in Guernsey I was playing for the Guernsey under 15 team we had four amateur uh, and we played a match uh, in Southampton um, probably only about 15 or 20 minutes from where I'm sat now and uh, at the game was a Southampton scout saw that um, you know liked what he saw and uh uh, when I played and invited me over for a trial and I came across to, to Southampton for a week's trial and at the end of that week I was invited to join as an associate scoreboard uh, which I did and then I came back in the holidays to train with the, the other scoreboys uh, and then when I finished my exams at school at 16 uh, I was offered um, a, an apprenticeship or a, or it was a white youth training scheme uh, as it was back then which took me from uh, July the 1st, 1985, until my 18th birthday, which was um, October the 14th, 86. So I had um, kind of four, uh, 15 months to prove to the football club that I was worthy of a professional contract. And, uh, and that's what I did. I, I, I scored 59 goals in that first season in the youth team. And, um, and the following season, I made my debut in the first team and signed my first professional contract for a, for a whopping £100 a week. Wow. But still, you know, £100 a week in the 80s is, well, quite a lot of money in by today's standards still. Mm, I don't think it is. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 but when you actually get offered that contract and you're told, yes, you're good enough, how does that feel? Uh, I mean, that was, that was pretty amazing. Although, uh, before my 18th birthday, I'd already made my debut in the first team at Southampton, so I was... I was pretty confident that I was going to get a contract when my 18th birthday came around. I think it was, uh, it was nine of us um, in my year of, of youth training scheme guys. And um, I think there was, there was uh, actually three of us who made our debuts before our, our 18th birthday. So uh, that was pretty cool. Probably not something that happens too often in this day and age. And I mean, all power to you for doing it. And it looks like you went on to have a long and storied career with Southampton. Um, and uh, and and yeah, it's 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 amazing the life that you've led, and and it's led you to this point. Um, where no, you are. I mean, that, it wasn't all then because then you spent another fifteen uh, years with Sky, didn't you? Being a pundit, I, I spent fifteen years on the contract uh, with Sky. I had three years previous to that as well, um, uh, which were you know just as a. Yeah. On, on a pay-as-you-go deal, uh, and uh, and yeah, and then 15 years on the contract, which um, ended fairly abruptly in August 2020. Because you and I, I, I want to go there in a minute. Um, yeah, okay. I, I do want to go there because I think that this this is how you've um, let's say on Twitter become somewhat prominent was was what happened with Sky, um, and, and and yeah, let's go there because. They they unceremoniously abruptly ended your contract and tell us why. Um, yeah, so I mean the reason that they gave was that they were uh, taking the show in a different direction, um, mm. 
uh, was the was the phrasing that was used to it, um, which was uh, which was an interesting turn of phrase. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did ask them if uh, if what I was posting on social media had anything to do with with me being sacked, and um, and what the answer was given that. Um, uh, we do have to take into account the reputation of our company um, oh when it comes to social media posts. So and, let me uh, give you... Oh, carry on, sorry. No, so I was just going to say to my, my response to that was, well, that's interesting because you re-employed Jamie Carragher after he spat at a young girl out of his car and you didn't seem too worried about the reputation of your company then. Uh, and the conversation ended very abruptly after that. <laughs> uh, and that, that was kind of it. So I had seven months left on my contract uh, at Sky. So a lot of people are, uh, uh, who are not very knowledgeable on, on social media uh, like to say that I wasn't sacked. Uh, I mean, it was just that my contract wasn't wasn't extended. Uh, my contract had seven months left to run on it. So, uh, so yes, I was sacked. Just for clarification. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can give you a sort of similar story, um, and, and I think it was I, my personal opinion is it's these big corporations were scared of, or even opposed to the idea of freedom. Now, let me let me tell you, uh, I used to be an unpaid ambassador for the Walt Disney Company, so I was a disabilities ambassador for Disneyland Paris. Um, I, I used to get, you know perks, freebies, I would do advertisements and things like that. And when I started speaking out, and when I started talking about freedom, our relationship ended abruptly. It, it, it ended abruptly. Yeah, and, they didn't, and I wasn't given a reason. They didn't even have the decency to contact you, they just stopped talking no. to you. <laughs> yeah, I was never even given a reason. In fact, so, they've never um, spoke to you since, have they? No, never <laughs> spoken to me since. Um... Uh, and and it looks to me like these big companies were just absolutely terrified of anybody speaking against, you know, current narrative. Mm -hmm. And uh, their ESG score. Because they're worried yeah, about that. Although that well, seems uh, to be taking a turn now, doesn't it? The ESG score. Because people are pulling out. They're pulling out of things now. You know, yeah. the BBC's pulling out of things. Um, the government's even so, now starting to backtrack over on net zero. So, you know, maybe maybe people are starting to come to their senses. And, and I think it's a bit of a leap to say that, but, you know, maybe, hopefully, people are starting to realise that, you know, the public were right. You can't do this without yeah. destroying the country. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, take us back to the things you were posting on social media, because the way I look at it, and you tell us your views from, from your perspective, your views on the situation at, at hand. Um, tell us what, what, what you were saying. Uh, yes, yeah, so very early on, uh, I was questioning um, why we were locking down, mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. I was also questioning... Um, the the way that the deaths were being reported so that you know anybody died within 28 days yeah. of a positive pcr test um uh, a test which by the way is not very reliable well it's um, not it's not designed for diagnosis is it exactly carrie mullis uh, said exactly that so um it for me it was fraudulent what was going on uh, and uh, i 
spoke out very early on about the dangers of locking down um, and the impact that that will have on not just the economy but on people's health. Um, you know, we became the National COVID Service and stopped giving two hoots about any other illnesses that people had. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that was a big concern to me, and also the the, the effect it was going to have on people's mental health. Oh yeah, um, which has been which has been shown. So you know, all the stuff that I was warning about back in 2020 um, uh, has actually come to fruition. That nobody will ever yeah. nobody will ever look back and go, "Oh, you were right," because they're uh, they're too ingrained in their own thoughts um, to actually look at it rationally and think, oh, blimey, yeah, maybe, maybe you were speaking sense three years ago. Yeah, you're yeah. right, Matt. And the problem is, the problem is for them to come round and say, well, okay, maybe we were wrong, they then have to accept that they were wrong. And I, f- I think they can't accept that because it's too much for yeah. them to take, you know, because there's just so much that they got wrong that they just... You know, if they if they went to accept it, they would just melt down. Quite possibly, quite possibly. But um, yeah, so um, that was kind of the, the first kind of stuff. I then I then questioned uh, when we were told to wear Black Lives Matter badges on Sky. Uh, I wore it once and then questioned why we were having to wear it and uh, told them I wasn't going to wear it again because I didn't agree with that organisation of what they stood for. Mm-hmm. So let me interject here. Um, were they forcing you to wear them on Sky? Um, they probably uh, recommended. Uh, yeah, it was about it was about I don't know thirty seconds or a minute before we were about to go on air, and we were we had these badges thrust into our hands and, and said uh, put those on. And I looked at it and I said to the producer right there, I said uh, I said do I have to wear this? Um, and he looked at me and he went, it's probably in the best interest if you do. Mm. So we weren't forced to, but we were heavily coerced, I think. Yeah. Heavily coerced. Uh, and where have, we, where have we seen that these past few years? Oh, yeah. Somewhere we, somewhere we can't really go conversationally because of YouTube, but we've all experienced but that. It's yeah. also like the police, because the police aren't really... It's not they're not really allowed to wear that thin blue line badge anymore, but they're quite it's they're quite happy to allow them to to put you know rainbow coloured helmets on. Yeah, the police have, have uh, really not shown themselves to be uh, particularly good these last few years as well with the uh, the two tier policing when it came to uh-huh. the different yeah. protests. Uh, I thought they behaved absolutely disgustingly to people yeah. who were. Yeah. Um, protesting for our Did you freedoms. attend any of the protests? I did, yes. yes. I attended um, probably 15, 20 of them. Um, and some of the things I witnessed the police do to people and filmed and streamed was just peaceful people playing music in the park, being absolutely battered by the police for no, unprovoked, no reason. Yeah. Um, and yet when the BLM marches were occurring they were not only facilitating them but they were in, in some parts joining in well, that was, kind of the, was that the George you know the, the George Floyd yeah, yeah George Floyd marches and things yeah yeah, yeah I mean yeah. The, whole, the whole thing and I mean as an ex-police officer I'm completely disgusted with the way the police have behaved because you're supposed to you're supposed to police without fear or favour. And they yeah. did neither. They did neither. In fact, they're still not doing it right because uh, and 
to be fair, it wasn't just the police. There's quite a few groups come out of this quite badly. Um, I think absolutely. Yeah, you can throw the scientists in there. Yeah. You can throw the doctors in there. You can throw the politicians in there. Yeah, and there's so people, many groups that I've lost a lot of faith in. I think you can throw the teachers in there as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know what? I've I've got to I've got to give. I've got to give some credit to the NHS because obviously uh, I had an emergency this past um, about 10, 11 days ago and it was dealt with swiftly. It was dealt with correctly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, but, right, people okay. on the front line are not to blame. Yeah. I, would I, say. Wonder, I wonder what, I wonder what, what that, how that would have looked if that would have happened in April, 2020. Yeah. Though, exactly. I agree. Exactly. I do wonder. Especially, do wonder especially with your stance. Because what would have happened mm -hmm. then, you know? Because they'd have been trying to make you do things that you didn't want to do and trying to make you take things that you didn't want to take before they would treat um, you. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, they did ask me, um, they did ask me out of courtesy if I would take a COVID test um, before surgery. And I simply said no. And then they said, well, you take the MRSA one. I said, yeah, I'll do that. But um, uh, it was just out of courtesy they asked and I was thankful that they respected my decision. But as you say, Matt, back in uh, April of 2020, they would have forced, they would have said, we're not treating you. If, if, and personally speaking, I don't think that's the fault of the doctors and nurses. Now it's a bit, bit too, it's, this is a bit nuanced, this opinion, because mm, here we go. I believe they should, I believe <laughs> I they should have said no. <laughs> I believe they should, Right, I believe on. they should have said. I believe they should have said no to the directives given to them, uh -huh. because their 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 first port of call is to do no harm. Yeah, and I think that unfortunately the directives placed upon them by above caused harm. Yeah. Um. So this is why I, I, they were put in an impossible position. No, they weren't. Um. No, they weren't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you right, you, if you think about it, and the way, especially the way the medical profession is run, effectively your consultant is a god, right? Right. He, he, he controls that entire ward, his entire specialty mm. in that hospital. He is a god, and he has the capability of standing up to the management, and they didn't. That's the part that, that pisses me off. They didn't stand up. They didn't fight for their patients. And they didn't tell them yeah. that they were going to treat people regardless. That's the part that I mean, really annoys me. I, I would have probably ended up dying of sepsis. You're, you're absolutely right, Matt. Well, it's um, not even that, then. It, 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 it's not even that. Even today, people aren't being treated and aren't being seen because of the waiting list, right? So you were in an emergency. Okay, if, if that wasn't an emergency case, if it was something else, it would just trickle yeah. on for years and years and years. I mean, there's some people apparently waiting seven years now for an appointment in Scotland. Yeah. Seven it's years. Terrifying. And that's a that's an SMP government, because people always say the Tories have ruined the NHS, but for the Tories to ruin the NHS, the SMP had to ruin the, the, the NHS in Scotland, and Labour had to ruin the NHS in Wales, because... Health is fully devolved, fully devolved. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, um, I I saw the insides of hospitals in April and March of twenty twenty. Yeah, um, and I saw entire wards, entire units, entire things just shut down. 
Uh, they weren't treating people. And the, the, the one thing that gets me is the cancer. Because um, there are probably millions of people walking around this country right now who do not know they have cancer because they were never given the opportunity to be diagnosed. Um, and that worries me. That worries me particularly. And these are, you know, these are the sorts of things that people like like yourself, Matt, and um, and people like us spoke out about. Uh, we didn't go down rabbit holes. We didn't look at crazy Bill Gates, this, that, and the other, right? Um, we, what we simply did was try and highlight the harms. And I have seen how maligned you have been on social media. I know it doesn't get to you, and I'm glad it doesn't get to you. But for doing that, you've been called every name under the sun, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the price you pay for um, sticking up for what you believe in, um, having having morals and being consistent and asking questions of authority. When you try to stand up to authority, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the reaction that you get. Uh, and I was fully aware of that and fully prepared for the... Uh, for the backlash that came, and it did, yeah. and uh, and it's still going to this day, and uh, I'm still here talking about it and trying to make people aware of what's going on in this country, giving them an idea, trying to get them to ask questions about things, and um, you know it's nothing more than that really, and it's something that I feel like uh, I have a moral duty to do because um, the the world that we're seeing around us is changing at a rapid pace, and and not for the better in my opinion. No, yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. Uh, 18 years in professional football would have given you somewhat of a thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only imagine it's a fairly robust environment. It certainly is. The, the football, I mean, the, the abuse that you get from the terraces is uh, is all well and good, but it pales into its insignificance yeah. if you wear the wrong ice for clothing into the change room one morning. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. imagine. I mean, <laughs> that, that day when you went in with the wife's thaw on would probably have... <laughs> <laughs> Who told you about that? <laughs> So, um, my friend Ollie, who is in the chat right now, and he is a massive fan of yours, by the way, and he has been for such a long time. He says, there's plenty of us who think the same as you, Matt, and we appreciate you for representing us over the last three years. That's very kind, mate. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. And as I said, it's, it's just for me, um, I just felt like I couldn't do anything else. It just felt like the right thing to do. Uh, and, you know, you've just got to listen to your gut and, and go with it. And, uh, and yeah, as I say, I don't have any regrets about, about the stances that I've taken over these last few years. And I've been consistent with my stance. And as time goes on, uh, um, there's more and more evidence that kind coming out that actually uh, backs me up in what I was uh, standing for for the last three years. Yep. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I, that's exactly why I did what what I did, and 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 why I and why me and John do what we do because we feel like we have this obligation to just ask questions and just try and not just ask questions, but try and convince people that do watch to ask questions as well. We always say to people, Matt, don't believe a word we say. Yes. Don't believe a word we say. Yeah. Go and find out for yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and for taking that stance, you know, it, it's 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 
seen as so brave and really it's not a brave thing to do i i think it's the right thing to do exactly right um so let's um let's let's talk about then let's talk about uh the tweet that that set you off trending um and it was about a communist takeover so tell us your view i mean you call it communism you call it marxism you can put whatever label you like on it but basically um, it is the gradual mission creep of governments western governments around the world to try to restrict the freedoms of their population mm-hmm. of their people they are actively working against their own people to take away the freedoms and the human rights that they have at this moment in time and anybody who feels like this what, what a lot of people will do is they'll start debating you on, on what exactly communism is and the exact meaning of communism and there's lots of intellectuals that will have a debate for hours on end mm. about what actual communism is um, that for me is completely irrelevant and it glosses over the, the actual point uh, in question is that uh, governments around the western world are restricting the freedoms of their people uh, and they're using nefarious means to do that uh, they're scaring the crap out of people with a uh, with a virus that they knew was not um, not as lethal as they made out um, and you know there's a, there's a lot of debate still going on around that uh, and also um, the climate change stuff you know it's the, it's the yeah. next thing that they'll, they'll use to frighten people into submission to take away their yeah. freedoms yeah. and at the same time coincidentally um, it makes all the uh, all the really rich people even richer and all the poor people even poorer yeah, and absolutely. Uh, how people don't see that just yet is beyond me um, well, it's it's a scam the climate has always been changing um, you know we've been we've been on this you know, they've been recording temperatures on this planet for what just over a hundred years or so yeah i mean how long has this planet been around for i mean it is a tiny fraction of how long this planet has been around for that they've got data for and they're trying to blame everything on carbon dioxide um which is you know the gas of life basically and uh, it's quite ridiculous. So they, they try to invert everything, uh, is the way that I see things. Uh, they, will, they will try to tell you that black is white and white is black, and that men are women and women are men. Well, we've, got, in that. we've got a very simple mantra that we say all the time in this show, and I'll let you off because I probably suspect you haven't watched us before, right? <laughs> but her mantra is... What are the two aims of government? Any government, and it doesn't matter what party you pick or anything, the two aims of government are what, Ben? Control the population, feather their own nest. nest. And that's basically it. That's government in a nutshell. That's all they want to do. And they they control the population by using fear tactics, and they've been doing it forever. You know, since the end of the Second World War, we continued Mm. rationing, we... We then went into like you know um, they went into the Cold War. They then went into the Ice Age, the coming Ice Age, peak oil, hole in the ozone layer, nuclear war, yep, everything. Yeah. yeah, and and nothing. None of these things have ever come to pass. Not one of them no. has ever come to pass. If if they had come to pass, New York would be underwater, and you wouldn't be buying shorefront property in Florida. And yeah, no. none of them's come exactly. to pass. 
No, you're absolutely right. I was supposed to have... It was supposed to run out by 1980-something, and then it was supposed to run out by 2000, and the North Sea was meant to be dry by 1999 or something like that. And yet, well, <laughs> you, 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 I mean, Just Stop Oil's actually saying, don't stop oil, just don't issue any new licenses, because there's still mm. plenty of oil out there to go and drill and, and dig up, and then we haven't even touched the West Coast, because there's oil out there, but it's much deeper. But there's loads also, of oil yeah. on the West Coast. Here down our end, um, and Matt, because I'm in Eastbourne, um, so I'm not too far from you. Um, near Gatwick Airport, they found a two billion barrel well. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of oil still to go. Um, just stop oil and nutters, they are. But what I. And, what, and again, sorry to interrupt you, Ben, on the just stop oil. This is the thing, this is one of the things that I ask people. You know, we had protests in 2020, 2021 where. There were tens of thousands of people in London. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those protests had practically zero mentions in the mainstream media. Yep, right? of course. Mm -hmm. Two people from Just Stop Oil run out onto the uh, court at Wimbledon, and every hour on the hour on TalkSport today, yeah. the first story on there was Just Stop Oil have, have protested at Wimbledon yeah. for, for like these two or three people who are protesting. You know, so why does that get well, the first story at Salzburg every hour, every, every hour of every day? And yet the thousands of people protesting for our freedoms yeah. get absolutely ignored on the mainstream media. But you know, now, when I ask people okay. that, nobody can answer that question well, for you, a, a reasonable excuse. Do you not think they're quite smart, though? Because right? they target high-profile events where mm. it doesn't take a lot to disrupt them. I mean, look at the snooker, look at the look at Wimbledon, look at even just walking down the street with, with five or six people. So they're, they're using very few people to make a massive amount of inconvenience to people. When when yeah. when you guys went out and en masse and did your peaceful marching, right? Yeah. That's the problem. You didn't really put anyone out because one, you did it at the weekend. It was all planned and it was already rooted. So everybody knew how to avoid it. And, and yeah. just stop oil, don't do that. They don't ask permission, and, and that's where it, that's where it. So I think it's very well thought out and very well planned because they're very disruptive. I I, dis I disagree. I, I'd have to disagree with you on that point. I, I believe that, point? Uh, it doesn't. I believe it didn't matter what time of day we did, how much disruption there was. They would still have ignored the protests if they were about yeah. restricting people's freedom. I'm with you on that because Ben will tell you a story in a second about something that happened on one of those marches, right? But yes, yes, I agree that they would have. They they didn't really want to um to to make a big thing out of it. But by the same token, I still think we didn't really disrupt the way that we should have if we wanted to get our point really across, you know? And and let's face it, there hasn't been a real protest in this country since the poll tax riots. Oh, uh, uh, well, I would have thought those freedom protests were uh, real protests. Um, well, I went on pretty much all of them. Yeah, but um, they were more of a party in some respects. So, yeah, I, I went on pretty much all of them. And I, I, like John said, I'll, I'll tell you a story here about the mainstream media and how they covered it. Do you know of a woman named Mariana Spring? Um, I'm sure you do. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I used to stream these protests live from start to finish so people could come and watch um, and, and see it because, as you say, the mainstream media weren't covering it. So I would go out on my mobility scooter and stream these protests live. Um, I caught Mariana Spring on stream. So I streamed her doing this. I was in a crowd of must have been 100,000 people. And um, she was in a side alley. She had two masks and a visor on. And she was speaking into the camera saying a couple of hundred anti-vaxxers have gone out to protest. Mm -hmm. She was absolutely lying. She was she was misrepresenting it. And, and then they say, look, see, we did cover it. We did cover it. Well, no, you, you made something up and then covered that. <laughs> Yeah, but I caught her on stream, and there were—I think it was live on Twitter—and I think there were twelve thousand people watching this um, as she lied. Um, so we we never got a fair shake. No, we never got a fair shake. But yeah. I, and and there's someone in the chat who actually said freedom protesters caused no upset. It was too peaceful. My God, look who it was! <laughs> it was your wife. That was your wife, John. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> she never was in the chat. Oh, no. <laughs> My wife's in the chat. She, she, she. I, I, I think they completely completely missing the point. It, it didn't matter if it disrupted people. Well, they weren't going to cover it in the way that it should have been covered. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with you on that point. And I think by, and I think by protesting peacefully... Um, uh, I think it made more of a point than if it was disruptive where they could start arresting people and turn the public's uh, opinion against but, the protests. But they did that anyway, Mark. They did that anyway, to be fair. Um, yeah, yes, I but they had to, yes, so they had to lie to do it. This is my yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. They had to lie to do it. Yeah, we, of they, course. They, they weren't given, they weren't given an excuse to do it. They had to lie to do it. That's yeah. the important bit about it. Yeah, no, you're agreed. Right. But, I mean, but then what happens is the BBC report it, and you know, ninety percent of the people that don't follow social media or whatever, they they believe the BBC. Yeah, of course. And and we, we I, yeah. I mean, we went to. Protest. I think that number is a lot smaller now. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's. I would hope that people are coming to their senses, but but they're the same token. I kind of think maybe they didn't because the amount of people that get taken in are, are continually taken in just now with what's going on in Central Europe because mm. you know the, the whole narrative around that seems to be everybody seems to want us to go to war against yeah, Russia that, you know, I think that's how the media portray it well, yes exactly yeah. that's how the media are portraying it but there are a number of people that aren't in the media that believe the media and that, and that to me is a big problem because you know we, we try, I mean, you, you go on Twitter and you argue your case, and how many people come on to you because they're saying that, no, no, Ukraine is winning. You know, they're, they're killing more Russians than ever. Um, Ukraine's going to win the war. Ukraine must win the war. You know, I mean, uh, but nobody talks about seeking a peaceful solution, and that's the thing. There are no winners in the Exactly. So why is no, nobody talking about... about a peaceful solution and and the only person who was talking about a peaceful solution was Donald Trump and and Xi Jinping and Macron 
Yeah. And what happened to France? He's not bothered about what's going on in Ukraine just now because he's looking at his own country. Because oh, yeah. he, I mean, he was, he was, he went to China. He was talking about BRICS. He went to see Putin. He was talking about, a, you know, trying to get people around the table, trying to get a peaceful solution. And yet, suddenly, France erupts, and you know, Macron's taken out the equation. Do you think, do you think that was uh, Macron's punishment for trying to do that? I, I do actually. I kind of think, I kind of think it was a, a setup, yeah, to, to get him out of it. And see, Germany, Germany's um, Germany's towing the party line, right? But the problem with Germany, Germany is they've got elections coming up, and they've got a party called I think it's ADF, and they're doing really, really well. So they're just behind yeah. the Conservatives. Uh, but ADF want to break AFD. up A AFD. That's it. They want yeah. to break up Europe. They don't just want Germany to come out of EU. They want to break the EU up completely. Yeah, that's the best thing that could happen. <laughs> what? Well, I can't disagree with you. Right, right. So I, I voted Remain. Yep, I know. Stupid, right? And I know stupid because um, at the time I was naive. I was young. I, I just put in my vote. Um, but now I know more. And now we've been doing this show and looking into politics and the news for two plus years. Uh, if if we were forced to, uh, to to vote again, I would be voting leave uh, or, or remain out because it is an unelected bureaucracy that can impose laws upon your country um, and then they have a parliament which is essentially a sham because that parliament can't propose legislation. Only the unelected commission can propose legislation. And so why on earth would we want to subject our countries to this? Now... I, I seem to recall that we didn't sign up to a political union when we joined the quote-unquote EU. We signed up to a trading block called the European Economic Area, the EEA. Um, and people say, oh, we voted to go in there. No, we didn't. The EU sort of formed and became this almost totalitarian rule over over all of these countries and, and a lot of these people that call themselves rejoiners or remainers or whatever want, they want to call themselves they don't actually know what the EU is no, you, you know why um, they want to re rejoin or remain because they don't want to wait for six or seven extra minutes to get this passport stamped mm -hmm. and they don't want to pay six quid every two years for a visa that's it it's all about oh we had freedom of travel you've still got freedom of travel nobody's yeah. stopping you travelling you know no, exactly. I, you know, if I want to, if I want to drive up to Eurotunnel and drive to France, I'm going to do. Well, I can't afford to, but if I was, if I was able to, and I wanted to drive to France, I'd still do that. Um, there's ways and means of doing everything. Um, these people are, like John said, a lot of them. So we in the West have become too accustomed to convenience. I think. Um, and that's why we are, this is my personal opinion, uh, let me know if you agree with me or disagree with, with me here, Matt, but that's why I think people were so complacent when it came to stay-at-home orders, because we have become so accustomed to convenience. And so people just go, you know what, I'll just do as I'm told because it's the more convenient thing to do. Uh, I'll get to stay at home. A lot of people were, were in a hellscape, by the way, who lived in things like high-rise flats and stuff like that. But they were, Or in abusive relationships. 
Yep. All of these sort of middle slash upper class people who have prominent social media following, who have massive gardens, who are making these big posts saying, oh, look, I'm making this banana bread. Look at all this time I'm having in my garden. And, you know, that sort of has an influence on people. And then people just turn around and go, you know what? I'm just going to do what I'm told uh, uh, and and we'll get out of it and we'll get back to normal. And, you know, what we've actually got is a cost of living crisis out of it because what we saw was the biggest transfer yeah. of wealth in human history and it went the wrong way. And and this brings, yeah. us back, this brings us back to Max's first point or the first point that we started really talking about, which was the rise of communism because it was all done for the greater good. The greater good. That, that that term is well that term uh, along with the I'm from good. the government and I'm here to help are <laughs> <Yeah>. terrifying <laughs> because we completely forgot about the idea of individual rights and people's individual rights to choose yep. um, and, and I'm a big proponent of individual rights must come over group rights every single time that's right. exactly my stance yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're all on the same page there yeah. It's really good, actually. It's it's really good, and and I, and I don't understand why. Well, I do understand why so many people were complacent, but it just well, it's a bit like it what's happening. Well, have you seen some of these just stop oil people? Just to go back to them briefly, right? Right. They are genuinely terrified. They, they think are. they think the world is coming to an end if we don't stop burning fossil fuel, and they think they have no future, and and they are genuinely terrified. You look at their faces and look at them, look them in the eye, mm -hmm. and you can see it. These people actually have been brainwashed into the state that they believe it, but they're just useful idiots. So the question is, yeah, of course, who's using them? Well, mm. the people, people that just people that fund them. Yeah. Well, in some cases, the people that fund them are the oil companies. Yeah. Funny, yeah. Funny that, oh. yeah. Strange. Very strange. But the people that run the Just Stop Oil Twitter accounts and the people that put out the press releases, they're not the ones getting arrested. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah, they're not exactly. the ones getting arrested. They're the ones that are recruiting the people to go and get arrested, but they're not the ones getting arrested. And, and, and I want to I um, make a point about the oil companies in part funding. Um, and I think they're doing it to, to make climate protesters look mad. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. So, you know, we fund this, they go crazy, and everybody turns against them. Um, I, I've got a slightly different uh, opinion on that. Go on, then. Go on, then. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think I think that being as disruptive as possible, uh, I think they get as much news coverage as possible, so that the government um, can introduce the uh, introduce the, the online safety harms bill and the protest bill yeah. uh, to stop people protesting. Um, that's that's my view of it. I think that we use those just of all things to actually get everybody to agree to the fact that it's a really good idea if we um, make it illegal to protest. Yeah, and that's quite terrifying as well because, you know, they say that they're doing it. I mean, they did it, what, they started... For your safety. It's all for your safety. Mm -hmm. yeah. For your safety or and for the greater good of two of the most horrific terms I've ever mm -hmm. come across yeah. in my life. 
I, I think you're right, yeah. Matt. And and I mean, to be fair, I think um, I I gave it. I gave quite a few shows where I said, no, these people these people are perfectly entitled to protest. And, and in my view, they were doing it well because they were being so disruptive. And people were saying, no, but they're, they're endangering people's lives and things like that. They, they need to be stopped. Legislation needs to be put in place. And I'm going, no, well, it doesn't. There's plenty of legislation out there to... to if you applied your legislation we've got, there's enough legislation there to deal with everything that's happened. You don't need new laws. Two things, two things need to happen. The protests need to be policed properly. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and, and secondly... Uh, what was the second point I was going to make? Uh, that needs to be police properly. And the second uh, bit is that the media don't need to amplify them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the media choose to amplify them. Like we said earlier, um, they, they're very, very... Um, selective. Selective in what they choose to amplify. Exactly. Uh, the, the, media is, the media is mind control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Nothing um, short of anything else. Of course it is, and let's face it, between the years of 2020 and 2022 especially, their biggest funders were the government, and the government was were feeding yeah. them a, a stream of propaganda to flood down people's throats, and now we have quote-unquote behavioural scientists that worked on that propaganda that come out and say we regret what we did. We regret yeah. Yeah. making this yeah. fear campaign. It was unethical what we did to those people. Uh, and then, you know, you got people like you and people like me and John here who have been saying that since day one who were completely maligned for it. Like, what yeah. did I say? <laughs> um, so, so I, I've I've got something in the chat here uh, from Frankie who says, "Ben, say hello to Matt for me, will you? Tell him he is a legend." Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions for Matt uh, in the chat, uh, yeah, we'll hold them man. off for a few minutes. Chuck them in. If you put and, a super um, chat on, then you'll get them answered quicker. <laughs> yep. If you chuck in a super chat, you'll be prioritised. It, it, it was. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back um, to this talk of communism. Well, okay, for a minute. While we're on the while we're on the subject, right, of um, oh. of the EU and Brexit and remaining and all that. What about what about the man that kind of and and I, I think uh, to give him his. He's due. I think he did a damn good job of getting the points across when it came to Brexit, Nigel Farage. What do you think of all this this kerfuffle that's going on around bank accounts and things just now? Well, have you got any take on that, Matt? Um, uh, yeah, I uh, I think it's all kind of part of the the same agenda. Um, uh, I think the banks. It's funny that the, the banks are, uh, you know, refusing to give bank accounts to people or refusing to give mortgages to people. Um, the only people they're refusing to do that to are ones that are going against the government narrative. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't recall anybody uh, having their bank accounts cancelled that are going with the government narrative, and that tells you everything about the, the state of our country at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the other but thing. Have you? Sorry, the other thing I wanted to point out. Do you think D-notices were involved um, in, in the early days of the, the media narrative? Do I think what were involved, D-notices. You know, when the government, uh, they, they put out a notice to the media and they are explicitly forbidden from talking about certain points. 
Have you heard oh, of yeah. Beatles? Oh, so, yeah. I think, yeah, obviously, Ofcom are um, basically the, uh, the government gatekeeper. Um, mm. You know, and they'll investigate any TV channel that dares to yeah. speak about uh, the uh, uh, special juice injuries. Um, well, yeah, they have just proudly announced they're investigating GB News and Talk TV again, haven't they? Again. It's funny, isn't it? Not, it's funny that not once have they decided to investigate any of the claims made on the mainstream media where for months on end we were told that if you took this mm-hmm. yeah. um, super juice, yep. uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't catch it and you couldn't pass it on to anyone else. Yep. And yet... Yeah, they didn't even test to see if you could pass it on to anyone else. So they, they were blatantly lying. Yeah, I've got to go, ah, don't worry about that. I'm in a bag of tail. I'm in a bag of tail. It's in the past. I've got my rolling on it. Of course they are. Of course they are. I mean, it's a big club, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I think, I mean, you were part of it to a, a tiny degree in that you were in the sports end of it. And and I'm not, I'm not dumbing down your, your, your part there, but... I think the people that really that really get the point across are those that were doing the hard news, you know, when it came to the the. Uh, well, that was I think that was one of the one of the issues that I, I probably had yeah. when uh, when it all kicked off in 2020. I was very vocal about the part that the mainstream media were playing, and of yeah. course, mm. uh, in that. Um, oh, your camera's gone off, uh, Matt. We've uh, lost your camera. Probably getting from the phone. Get a phone call from the government. Stop, stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. That. Now, what was I going to You were talking about mainstream media. Very well. So I was calling out. I was calling out the mainstream media, and of course, part of that was Sky News. Now, obviously, whilst I was working with Sky Sports, probably wasn't the most sensible thing I could do if I felt like I wanted to keep my job. But I, I just felt so strongly about the way that they were behaving and the way they were scaring people yeah. um, that I felt like I had to speak out about it. And if that meant costing me my job, then, then so be it. But, yeah, and, uh, and, it's and too I, I tell you what, Matt, I've got to take my hat off to you because there are, there are very, very many people still to this day who have not done anything like that. They've maybe thought mm. it. They've maybe then they've kept it to themselves and they've thought, no, I'll just keep my head down and ride it out and not say anything. And and I've got to give you hundred percent kudos for for sticking by your guns, mate. So Thanks very much. Know. It's it's interesting. I actually played a, in a charity golf day today where there were quite a few uh, uh, ex footballers and, and cricketers and, and things like that. And there were uh, there were at least three footballers that came up to me and said. Uh, uh, keep doing what you're doing on your Twitter. We, yep. we love what you're doing. That we wholeheartedly agree with it. I mean, and, that was the uh, question I was going to ask. Um, I was going to ask you. You know, you don't have to answer this, but um, within your profession, both with with Sky and in football, were there many people who turned around to you in private and said, "Yeah, you're absolutely right," but would refuse to speak publicly? Oh yeah. No, no, I've had, I've had plenty of people give me messages of support through direct messages on Twitter or, or on the WhatsApps. Um, plenty of them have said they agree, but you know they're in a position where they 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 need to they need to earn a living to to feed their family. Yeah. Um, and I totally get the position that they're in. Uh, it's not one that I agree with, but um, uh, I do have a, a certain amount of sympathy for them. 
Oh, yeah. Oh. From Robin, thanks for the sanity, Ten. So, so just um, just <laughs> to give you a, a clue what happened there, um, we just got a donation from um, Robin. I think that's probably Robin W., one of our citizens. So thank you, Robin. Yeah, thank you very much. Really do appreciate it. Do. We all and I hope you guys it. are enjoying the conversation we're having. So let's go back to um, communism and, and what you believe to be communism, because I think it's like a weird proto-fascism more than it's a communism. Because, um, well, I've just invented the, the term, because... And there's a lot of big business involved in this. Right? There's a lot of big corporations ben doesn't involved drink. in this. And um, like John said earlier, a lot of what's going on, uh, especially in the institutions, boils down to ESG, and that's that's a corporate thing rather than a um, uh, rather than I guess a communistic thing. But and there is a but here from what. I tend to agree with a man called Peter Hitchens, if you know who he is. I do um, know Peter Hitchens, yeah. When he says that when the communists realised they couldn't win, they put on suits and ties, they went to work, and they marched through the institutions as slowly as they could, and they took control via what he calls the long march through the institutions. And certainly, I see that has occurred. Um... And and then you went into that environment, I guess, when you worked with Sky, especially. And how was it? Uh, well, I mean, for for me, uh, my my job at Sky entailed uh, getting picked up from here on a Saturday morning, uh, being uh, driven into work, uh, walking into the Sky Sports office at the office, having a chat with the players, uh, and then. Um, doing the show for six hours and soon as the show finished, I left. So I didn't really have, uh, I didn't really have any uh, other involvement at Sky uh, apart from that. So I, you know, it was that that was my job. That's what I did, and that was my day. I kind of went to work, did my job, came back again, and didn't really get involved in anything else. Um, yeah. Certainly not on the news side or on in you know any of the stuff that kind of was going on behind the scenes. I was very much a that's my job. I go in, I do it, I come home again. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and to be fair, the people that you're dealing with, you'd be dealing with them week in, week out, and you'd know them. You, you would know them, you know, professionally and, you know, from, from, from the past as well. So you, it was probably like just um, just meeting with your pals and, and having a chat on TV. And, and yeah, I'm not denigrating yeah. your, 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 your job at that point, but yeah, that's kind of what I, no. I could see it as, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I begrudge the term wokeism. Okay, you know what I mean when when I say that. Um, but I think that 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 is what has become of this long march through the institutions. Um, and it boils down to things like you being coerced into putting on a BLM badge and and things like that. Um. And it's yeah, see, uh, it is uh, concerning. I, I I get confused. I I I can't figure out exactly what route they're trying to go down just now with all this, you know, gender, whatever the 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 drag queen story time and 
you know, why are they trying to make everything appear so decadent? And and I keep coming back to you know 1930s Berlin. It's the end. It's the end of an era. It's like it's decadence rules. It's the end. It's the end days of civilization. I think it's yeah. I think it's it's quite satanic. Uh, quite frankly, what's going on? Yeah. I I you know what I I agree. And and these people who profess to be virtuous who profess to be the righteous ones nine times out of ten you'll find they're the racist ones they're the sexist ones they're the ones that are doing all of these things and then they'll project what they're doing upon yourself i mean let me give you an example um how i believe the far left and the far right want exactly the same thing right because the far right for example would be very happy with the idea of racial segregation and then they're called racists for that but then the far left come up with this idea called racial safe spaces which is racial segregation so um it, it's it's very interesting and this is why i'm not sure what to coin what these people are doing is it fascism? Is it communism? Is it commu fascism? It's 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 hard. <laughs> this is the problem. Ben, this is one of the problems, Ben. Is that we, is that we end up uh, actually not debating the actual point, but we end up debating what names we should call that point. Well, exactly. And that's the biggest problem. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with it all. Well, well, exactly. And you know what? I, for one, am scared, and I'm 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 using that term because I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And I'm scared for the future that they have ahead of them if these people, this ideology, are allowed to take hold and continue to grow. Um, and, and, you know, I'll ask you, what do you think we should do about it? How can we, how can we stand against it? I mean, we can speak out, but is that enough? Uh, there, are, there are ways that you can do that. I think the three simplest words um, that anybody can do to help is do not comply. Mm -hmm. Do not comply with stupid diktats coming from stupid people. Yeah. Um, and that's the easiest way. Because if enough of us do not comply, they can't get away with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and the other thing I would say to people is just, just always, if somebody tells you to do something who purports to be in a, a position of authority, you need to ask them for evidence that you even need to do that thing. Mm. You need to ask them why. Um, you, you, you can't just turn around and say yes, because you are like a turkey voting for Christmas if you do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it might be time to wrap this one up. Um, I... Um, I, I have been absolutely blown away by this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's really nice to hear what you believe and to hear your perspectives on these things. Um, I'm just going to quickly go to the chat and see if they've got any questions for you before we go. So if you've got any questions, whack them in now, nice and quick. But before we get to the questions, genuinely, dude, I, you know, I reach out to a lot of people and I ask if they want to come and have a conversation and rarely do I get a reply. So, yeah, so um, appreciate it. Thank really you. Appreciate it. We really do appreciate it. And, and no um, problem, if, if you could possibly see, see to sharing us on Twitter, because obviously this yeah. is available on demand, we would really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Of course, yeah. Just send me the link, tag me in, and I'll get it retweeted. I'll do. Thanks. Uh, so, so we have Shalini here says, it's been brilliant. Thanks so much, Matt. Mr. J. Griffin says, thanks a lot, Matt. Robin says, thanks for your courage. Um, 
Militant Mushroom says, question the nature of your orders. Shalini backs up with, and use cash, please. That's very yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because we never even we touched on the, the central bank digital currency, did we? we got Robin says, uh, thanks for your courage. Minuteman42 says, Matt equals hero. Oh, here's a, here's a football in question. So who yep. was the toughest Sheffield Wednesday player you went up against, Matt? Oh, uh, Des Walker when he was there. There you go, Andrew. Des Walker. You'll never beat Des Walker. I think it was, you were a forward, weren't you? So he was a defender, I take it then. Yeah, I, I kind of played a, a little bit as a centre forward, but mostly in midfield, but yeah, I came up against uh, Des a few times. Cool, cool. So Spencer in the chat says, uh, I've never been into football, but Matt is more than okay by me. A breath of fresh air and good on him. <laughs> my, my watch has just told me that swimming has finished. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I didn't realise I was swimming through this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julie C says, keep standing strong, uh, Matt. Same to everybody else. Robin called this the best show on YouTube, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm biased, and I have to agree with that. Uh, we, we we do we do create the best show on YouTube. We just need more people to watch it. Yeah, we and come and enjoy it with us. Um, but I think we'll 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 leave it at that. Um, we'll we'll leave we'll them wanting the more. Is that is that your plan, Ben? Leave them wanting more. Leave them wanting more. And, and so, with that in it. mind, then would you consider coming back at some point, Matt? Of course, of course, I'll come back at some point. No problem at all. Excellent, fantastic. Excellent. And uh, stay, stay on the thing because I do want to have a word with you about something afterwards. So you will have got that through our outro, which is about two or three minutes worth. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, over to you. Well, all I can say is thank you very much, Matt, for attending this very, very special episode of Chasing Descent Live with Matt Letizier and Ben. And me, obviously. But yeah, it's been great. It's been great. For you. I got something to prove, I gotta take what I hate and finally make a move I think of you and all the shit you don't do Well I'ma make hella shit that I don't become you I have no regrets, yeah I'll tie up my chest I'll never forget what it's like to be a dead bitch Stabbed in the back, bed. I'll show you what happens Pass me the mic and I'll show you with action I feel this pain, you already know Money show. I've got these things that I can't let go. Watch me turn this life into something that you can never own. I feel this pain, you already know. Turn that to gains, let my money show. I've got these things that I can't let go. Watch me turn this life into something that you can never own. So fight and fight and die for the things you know you
yeah Make all the demons quiet, yeah We were built to thrive, yeah I think that we've all had enough What keeps you up at night, yeah Make all the demons quiet, yeah We were built to thrive, yeah